All right. Well, we want to speak to you tonight about uh, Faith on Fire. And I want to talk to you about what Faith on Fire is. I, over the last few years, I have become burdened to see that there's a lot, I think there's a lot of a younger generation in Ireland, okay, that there is openness among. They've turned away from the Catholic Church, and yet there is a desire for God. And they need the gospel. They need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ that can set them free. And that, hence the name Faith on Fire. There's a lot of people, I think, their faith has, you know, their faith has dwindled low, okay? And I'm talking about even just a faith in God. Now, we know that they need to be born again. But they're looking for something. And the goal of Faith on Fire is to reach those kind of people, all sorts of people, with the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, I've got uh, some verses uh, that I'm going to go through uh, over the next few minutes. The first question I want to ask is this. Why should we have uh, this outreach of Faith on Fire? Hold on, let me see if I can get this to work. There we go. The question about this, why should we have an outreach like Faith on Fire? Okay. You know, in Luke chapter 15, uh, we see three stories, okay? There's three stories. You can turn there if you want, Luke chapter 15. Um, we're going to be in two passages in Luke this evening. But in Luke 15, we see two stories, and three stories, and they're all stories about lost things, okay? Now, I'm not going to uh, go through all of the passage, but there are three stories about lost things, okay? Now, I want you to notice in Luke chapter uh, 15 and verse um, 7, the three stories are this. The first story, uh, we see Jesus uh, talking about a shepherd, and he has 99 sheep, and he loses one, and he leaves the 99 sheep, and he goes to seek for the one, okay? The second story, we see a lady who has 10 coins and she loses one coin and she turns her house upside down to find that one coin. And then the last story, um, for which is the, the majority of the chapter, is we know very well as the story of the prodigal son. It's a son who was lost, okay? And the whole point of the passage is to show us that God has a huge heart for the lost. He has a huge heart for those that are lost. It says in, uh, if you look there in verse 7, Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You know, if we're not careful, we can have the mindset, and I've had it myself, that God is more concerned, he's more occupied with those that are saved than those who are not saved. But you know what? That is just not true. God has a massive heart for people in this community, around this country, around the world, who are without Christ. And he wants them to be found. Okay? And that's the whole point that Jesus is trying to get across uh, in this passage. And that's what he says in verse 7. He says, in the same way that that shepherd, when he finds the lost sheep, rejoices. God rejoices over one sinner who was lost, who repents, who changes their mind, puts their faith in Jesus, and is born again. That excites God, okay? And my question as I read this passage uh, 
a couple of months ago was this. Am I as excited about lost people getting saved as God is? Because he's very excited about that. He's very concerned about that. And God is concerned with the saving of sinners. He is working towards this objective in the world. And this is a huge need. Notice then also in verse 1 and 2. This whole, these whole three stories were given in answer to a criticism. Okay, They were given in answer to a criticism uh, from uh, the Pharisees against Jesus. And it says this in verse 1 um, of Luke 15. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Do you know the Pharisees did not have the heart of God the Father for lost people. They couldn't care less about lost people. They were concerned about their religion. They were concerned about the people who were in the in crowd. And they had no heart for the tax collectors and those who were characterized by sin in their society that needed to be reached with the gospel. And it blew their mind that Jesus, who at least they respected as a teacher, as a rabbi, would sit down with tax collectors and with sinners and would eat with them. But do you know what? That's exactly what a person who has the heart of God for the lost would do. Is go and find some outcasts. Go and find some people whose lives are defined by sin and try to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what a person who has God's heart for the lost does. And you know, if we have God's heart for the lost, we will go towards them. We will be trying to win them with the gospel. It may be uncomfortable for us. We may need to try to put the gospel in terms that they can absorb. They might not like it, <laughs> and they might reject it. But you know, some will hear and will be saved. And you know, Jesus knew that. Jesus had the heart of his heavenly Father for the lost. And that's why he was at that table. That's why he was eating with those publicans and sinners. Because his heart was for the lost. And how important that is. You know, God began to burden my heart uh, for, really as I look back over some of the notes I've taken, over the last few years, I've become burdened for something like Faith on Fire, okay? Uh, and many uh, different things. I remember recently reading the autobiography of a man named Billy Graham. Some of you have heard of Billy Graham. Billy Graham um, was an evangelist who preached the gospel around the world, and I hesitate to give him a ringing endorsement because I do know that there were definitely some things he did that I would not do. But I would not take away from the fact that he was focused on preaching the good news of Jesus Christ to those who need the gospel. And I was amazed as I read his biography to see what God did through his ministry over the years. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, it was just shallow, you know, salvations. He all the time would meet people throughout his life who would walk up to him and say, I was saved at your crusade back in 77. I was saved back in your crusade in 59. And people all the time. And he preached the gospel. Now, he had some associations that... Uh, I wouldn't agree with. But I have to say I was stirred as I read his autobiography of the impact of someone who will just preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Anywhere God will give them the opportunity to. And uh, it stirred my heart. I remember also uh, reading uh, back in the summer 
um, here in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, in our family devotions. We were living up in the cabin in Britis behind mom and dad's house. And I remember reading Luke chapter 10 um, about the 70, Jesus sending out the 70. And God stirred my heart with the fact, what could God do if we went out and preached the gospel, did some public gospel meetings, but we did preparatory work for months beforehand, got into communities, witnessed to people, uh, tried to have conversations with people and expose people to the gospel before we ever go into the meeting and then invite them to come to the meeting and preach the gospel. And I got stirred up about it and, and prayed a little bit about it, but got busy doing uh, what we were doing in Arklow and uh, really didn't give it much more thought. Uh, but I believe God was uh, speaking to my heart at that time. I remember then uh, talking, you know, I was talking to James O'Connell. James O'Connell is in England, of course, uh, studying in Bible college. And he was telling me about the, the college that he's in, and he's just saying, well, there's really not a lot of students here, you know. Um, and they, they've had times maybe in the past where there was more, but it's dwindled down. I thought, wow, you know, there's a need. So many Christian institutions, churches, colleges, camps, they're dwindling down because there's no believers. <laughs> there's not enough believers. There's not enough people who are born again. I remember looking at our dwindling church, and at that point, uh, you know, many Sundays, uh, we were ministering to three or four people. You know, it was a very small group uh, that we were ministering to. And um, the thought hit me. I remember being on Main Street in Gory, where we live, and the thought hit me. You know, we don't necessarily need to found more Christian institutions. We need to birth more Christians. That's the need of the hour. And, you know, it would be relatively easy to start churches, to found Bible colleges, etc., if we had throngs of fiery young believers that were clamoring for them. And it just stirred my heart. You know, what could God do uh, if we just went out and preached the gospel? Churches would, of course, be started as a result because believers get saved in an area where there's no good church and you need to start a church, you know? So it's exciting, the potential of what God can do. And... So this, these are some of the things uh, that God was doing in my heart. And I really came to this uh, conclusion um, as we looked at that. Uh, next verse here. Here we go. That what we desperately need is mass evangelism ignited by a genuine move of the Holy Spirit to sweep great numbers into the kingdom of God. That's what we need in Ireland. That's what we need in our world in 2020. Notice some of the, the aspects. Mass evangelism, that's going out and preaching the gospel everywhere you can. Ignited by a genuine move of the Holy Spirit. You know, this will never happen without prayer and without God doing something that only he can do. You know, um, all the best plans of mice and men fail unless God is in them. And I have to say, it's early days, but I believe God is in faith on fire. We have many scary moments and steps of faith ahead, I'm sure. But, you know, I think God is in this. And if we will depend on him, I think he can do great things uh, through this effort. Now, I want to just talk for a moment. Um, many of you have heard my dad uh, mention this, um, how that we close the church. You know, we've been blessed to serve the Lord full-time in Arklaw over the last 11 years. And it's been a blessing. It's been exciting. Uh, I've no, I feel I've never had a time 
where I was sad, uh, you know, I don't mean I never had discouraging moments, but I never had a prolonged period where I was just like, I hate my job, you know. <laughs> I have been blessed as we serve the Lord. It's been exciting to see God move over the years. I always say, uh, you know, when you're serving the Lord in anything, there's going to be challenges. But when you see God moving, take a picture in your mind because it will encourage you in the challenging times. And I remember uh, doing that at different times. But, uh, you know, about two years ago, uh, in 2017, I remember things were going well in our club Baptist Church. We had 30 or 40 people uh, coming on a Sunday morning, which might not sound like a lot, but we were very excited. That was a good number coming out. Uh, we had a thriving Wednesday night Bible study. I mean, there were Wednesday nights when we had more people there than Sunday morning, okay? God was working. It was just a basic discipleship uh, Bible study, and God was working. I also remember, and many of you remember this, uh, we were pursuing purchasing the building uh, that we were in. Um, and so things were happening. Things were moving forward. But it has been sad to see over the last two years that between one thing and another, the church has dwindled down to a smaller number to like I said we found ourselves uh, this past autumn in 2019 many Sundays we were ministering to three or four people you know and uh, praise God for three and four people uh, but I knew that something needed to happen and I remember uh, beginning to plan a restart and those that were part of the church at that time we talked about some things that we could do as we move forward and, and did uh, more outreach but I really sensed I needed to seek the Lord about the next step for our church. So I fasted and prayed, cried out to the Lord. We were Again, we were planning a full-scale relaunch of the church in Arklo. And as I prayed, the Lord worked in my heart. And one of the verses he uses, used is a verse that is in front of you in Luke chapter 15. And it says in verse 4, it says, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost? until he find it. And God challenged my heart with this. God has a massive heart for those that are lost. And sometimes there is a time to leave the found in order to find the lost. You know, the found are found, <laughs> you know. They're saved. And God is at work in their lives. And it, what God did in my heart in that time of fasting and prayer, he said, Oriel, it is time for you to close the church in Arklow and pursue this ministry endeavor from Luke chapter 10 full-time. I want you to go after this uh, full-time. And it was a very hard decision to make. It was, in fact, I was looking at my devotional notebook um, the other day, and on my, the, in my devotions, the day after we announced we were going to close the church, my devotional notes were, God loves me. Because my head was so wrecked, that was about the only thing I could think of, okay? <laughs> God loves me, okay? Praise God. <laughs> but so it was a difficult decision to make. But, you know, I believe it was what God had for our church. Um, and so God led us to close the church and pursue this full time. I'm encouraged to say uh, that the believers that were a part of the church are finding other good churches to be a part of. And that was the one thing that was very scary for me, was that I didn't want to let uh, even the handful of believers that were left down. And praise God, God has led those believers onto other churches. And that has encouraged my heart. Um, so 
we want to look at then, I want to look at with you. So that, that is a little bit of background about the closing of the church. But I'm so grateful that God didn't just say, didn't just say close the church. He said, close the church because I want you to do this. I have a job that I want you to focus on, okay? So, Faith on Fire, what is it about? Here are um, the details. First of all, we ask the question, how? Okay, so Faith on Fire, it's a great idea, but how are we going to go about this, okay? If you want to look at Luke chapter 10, it's also up on the overhead, but if you want to look at Luke chapter 10, um, I'm just going to share a few verses from Luke chapter 10. Um, in Luke ch chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 70 into the towns where he is going to preach. And that's what it says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, After these things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. The purpose, notice the purpose of this was, uh, this was preparatory work for later public preaching by Jesus himself. The 70 went out two by two to these communities and they were to get those communities ready for when Jesus himself would come and preach. Okay? Now, notice verse 2. Okay? So that, that was the, the purpose. Here's the premise, okay? Or the basis upon which they were going out to give the gospel, okay? It says in Luke 10, verse 2, Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, as I studied that verse, it occurred to me, that Jesus was sending out those 70 with an eye, I believe, to multiplication. He was saying, as you go, pray the Lord of the harvest, that's the Holy Spirit, as we see in the book of Acts, that he would send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, you know, if I had 70 people, you know, we're going to start um, a week from Tuesday, we're going to start an evangelism class. We're going to start a, a, a training class here at LifeGate talking about how to lead someone to Christ. And really, we're hoping that's, that uh, the people that are involved in that class can help with personal work at the public gospel meetings that we'll be doing in July and in August in the four towns that we're targeting. And I'll talk more about that later. Um, I'm very excited about that. Um, but, you know, we're going to train uh, those believers that come, and I'm sure many of you who, who will come will have already had some experience, some training in sharing the gospel, but we're going to look at ways that we can hone the ways we share the gospel so that we can connect with people and help people to be saved. But you know, if I had 70 people show up on a Tuesday night, I would be jumping up and down, Okay. I would be, you know, 70 people that want to share the gospel, that are capable, that are keen enough to go out, uh, you know, into some uh, town maybe that's never heard the gospel and with a partner go and preach the gospel in that town. Man, I'd be so excited, okay? But, you know, Jesus is knowing how many people there are that need to be saved, knowing what a harvest there is, how many people out there that are open, 
that if somebody just spoke the gospel to them would be saved. Jesus, knowing this, he says, praise God for you, 70. But you know what? Pray the Lord of the harvest that through your ministry and through my ministry as I come to preach later on, laborers will be thrust forth into the harvest. People will get saved. They will sell out to God. They will become equipped to share the gospel. And God can use them to reach other people with the gospel. And I think that's the point of the verse there, uh, is what Jesus is saying to them, even as you go out. But you know, this is the premise of Faith on Fire, is that there is a waiting harvest in the hearts of some if we just put people in the field. Now I have to tell you, I am tempted to doubt that sometimes. But I don't believe it's the voice of God that leads me to doubt what Jesus said. Think about it. If the population of earth is greater now than when Jesus said that, the harvest is even greater. And my point is this. There are people that can be saved if we will just put witnesses in the field to speak to people and share Christ with them. So the premise is the waiting harvest. Then notice the parts um, of the preparation uh, in verse 9, it, the passage talks about a lot of different things, but I want you to notice in verse 9, um, it says, And heal the sick that are therein. There's two parts. Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Okay? So there's two parts. Notice, first of all, um, they were to heal the sick. Now, you know, we don't believe that God heals in the, with the same frequency as he did in those days, okay? And so I'm not going into these communities saying, you know, healing is going to be a ministry that God is going to use in uh, these communities. If God wants to heal people, so be it. But what I do draw from that passage is that what God wants to do in these communities is deliver people. Do you know there's nothing that is as great an advertisement for the gospel as a transformed life? You know, you look in Acts chapter 3 and you see that poor lame man who's begging at the temple. And Peter and John go into the temple, they heal this man, and instantly they have a crowd. And praise God, Peter immediately deflects the glory to God and just preaches the gospel and people get saved, okay? But one thing, as we look at that, what I'm crying out to God to do is that there would be some notable deliverances in these communities as we do the prep work, not even the meetings, but that there would be people that would get saved and God would begin to change their lives. You know, what would it, it you know, what could happen in a town if somebody who everybody knew who had some lifelong problem got saved and Jesus began to deliver them from that problem, you know? And so I do believe there's an application today is deliverance, that God, we would see God do some remarkable deliverances in these communities. But notice also what it says uh, in this, the second part of the verse. It says, heal the sick and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. To give gospel truth with a sense of urgency. You know, it's almost as though those 70 went into those towns. And it, what God did in those towns was it's like he took those towns by the face and he said, I want to talk to you. My son is coming and I want to talk to you. 
and we need to pray that we will be able to expose people to the gospel. You know, um, statistically, it takes a person an average of seven times hearing the gospel before they get saved, okay? You know, sometimes we give the gospel one time to somebody and we're discouraged that they don't get saved. But you know, it's very, very, very rare that somebody hears the gospel one time and gets saved. People have to hear it multiple times. Sometimes less, sometimes many more. But people have to hear the gospel multiple times. And so, as those um, 70 went into those communities, they're preaching the gospel, and people are hearing the gospel. And it might not have been until later on that they got saved, but they're hearing the gospel. And, you know, the goal of doing some prep work is partly to get some of those ways out of the way so people will get saved, you know. You expose them to the gospel repeatedly. Why? Because it doesn't just take one time for almost everybody. So um, that, those are the parts of the preparation. Now, what will faith on fire look like? Um, well, here's, here's the goal. Let me see if I can get this to work. Here's the goal uh, with Faith on Fire. Uh, the first thing, we're going to do it in four different locations is the goal, okay? Uh, first of all, we're going to do it in Gorey County, Wexford, which is where we live now. It's a population of 9,822, um, probably a bit more now at this point. That's a 2016 statistic. But Gorey, another town, Enniscorthy County, Wexford, which is south of Gorey, um, it's about 25 minutes away, population about 11,381 in Enniscorthy. Uh, then Wicklow, County Wicklow, together with Rathnew and Ashford, which are two towns that are uh, right beside it, um, the population is 14,997. And let me just say, as far as I can tell, there is no, uh, from my research, and I'm still doing research, there is no evangelical church of any description um, in that town. I know of one Brethren church that is very, very tiny, and I think that is the only thing there. So there is a desperate need for gospel work in that town and a church uh, in Wicklow. Uh, one other area then, the Tinnahili Rural District. This is not just the town of Tinnahili. Tinnahili is only about a uh, little less than a thousand people, but the whole region around, including Hackettstown, um, Carnew, Shalala, and uh, a couple of other small towns, but that is a smaller area of, of 3,498 or more in that area, okay? So these are the four areas uh, that we want to target uh, with Faith on Fire. Here's a map, you can see them um, on the map, um, and these are the locations that we are, are praying about reaching and planning on reaching. Now, the first part um, of uh, Faith on Fire, again, we're, we're modeling what we see in Luke chapter 10, okay? And so we are going to have public meetings in July and August in these four towns where there will be gospel preaching, okay? And um, we want to, what we want to do is rent a public venue, a big, cool public venue, a nice building, we don't want to do it in a church building because we want to have it in a public venue where people can feel comfortable to come and we can preach the gospel, okay? This is the first thing to do. Uh, we could possibly uh, use the tent that LifeGate owns 
Pastor Gorman has made that available to me. Thank you. Um, if there were not suitable venues in some of these towns, of course, it's in the early stages of planning. Uh, but we want to do this. We'd do two nights in each of the four towns. And really the goal is Bible Christianity at its relevant best. We want to relate to people the gospel of Jesus Christ, which never changes, and help people to understand uh, the gospel. And uh, so here's what, or go back. Here is one possible venue um, in Gory. This is the Gory Little Theatre. This is just kind of an example. Um, I haven't even booked this or anything, but this will seat about 350 people. Um, and it, it is a beautiful venue, it has everything that you would need. Uh, to do an event like this, um, but we are praying about being able to secure venues like this where we can have a two-night gospel meeting, okay? Um, so these are things we, we'll be doing. Um, we, the actual program, we'd have an intro video, and then we would have some music, uh, some music. Uh, we, I, I know some of you were a part of the concert that we did in the summer where we did some fun songs and then we did some sacred songs and then preached the gospel. And that seemed to be a format that was good and uh, people enjoyed. And so we want to do some of that, maybe start with just uh, some uh, fun songs and then move to some sacred songs and uh, then go to the next thing. Um, we are going to have testimonies. I'm losing, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here, okay. Uh, compelling salvation testimony, okay, or, or more than one, but have somebody share how they got saved, okay? Uh, then we would have a gospel message, and, you know, we need to take care not to talk church talk in these meetings, but that this could be, someone could come and hear the gospel at, a, at this meeting that we're doing, and if they had no church background, they would be able to understand. That's the goal, okay? Uh, it's not necessarily about Christians. It is about people who've never heard the gospel being able to understand. And so we, we want to do that. Uh, we will have then um, also an invitation uh, with a prayer team. So anyone who uh, God is working in their heart, there will be someone who they can speak to. And that's a part of the training. And uh, when we do uh, the gospel training, the goal for that is that we will have personal workers uh, for the meetings. And also, we will have um, a kids program running simultaneously with the main service. And so this is the goal. So these are the evening uh, preaching events uh, that we're going to have in July and August. And I, I do need to hurry along here. Um, but here's the preparatory work. And in one sense, um, I am as excited about the prep work as I am about the public meetings, uh, because both have the potential to see people saved, to see people exposed to the gospel, and ultimately, ultimately to see laborers thrust out into the harvest. Okay, at every step of this process, God can do, uh, can work in people's hearts. So the preparatory work would happen between March and June, and um, uh, we would start uh, with prayer meetings with believers. Uh, perhaps if there are believers in the communities uh, where we are going. I'm just trying to get this to work. Uh, we would pray. You know, we, we need to cry out to God uh, for these communities. Um, then we'll do evangelism, including website and social media in these areas. We are working on a website that is being uh, set up as we speak for Faith on Fire. 
And really it is a contact point where there will be videos of people giving their testimonies, a video of the gospel, and just different gospel content that people can interact with. But also, um, we're working on ways that we can communicate with people through the website. You know, a lot of people uh, would like to go online and talk to you through the website. I think that is something that we should take advantage of for the gospel. And uh, so we want to do some of that on the website and also on Facebook um, in the evangelism. Uh, we're, we'll also do some canvassing, some street ministry and some door-to-door. -door. Um, and really the goal will be to make contact with people we want to let them know about the meetings. We want to witness to them if we are able to. But we also want to direct them to the website. And that will be top priority because that is something that we can, even after we've talked to them on the door or on the street, we can talk to them through the website. And there's loads of gospel content uh, that they can uh, use. And also looking at doing some coffee shop Bible studies where we meet with people um, and witness to them. Now, the evangelism training um, will train volunteers from local churches that we are partnering with to share the gospel and to do personal work with any that respond to the invitation. Okay? And uh, this is an important part of Faith on Fire. And what I'm excited about, too, is it's not just that people who do the gospel training will be able to be um, personal workers for the meetings. But it'll stimulate all of us to share the gospel, won't it? You know, just sitting down and looking at how to share the gospel, it will stir us. You know, I was excited on Friday night to get to go out with uh, some, some of the guys from RU, Kirstein and Gary and Rory and um, Chris Killam and some guys from the north. We went out in, in Arklo to the methadone clinic and we witnessed to people. Uh, we let them know about New Hope and uh, it was very exciting. Uh, you know... I often, when I'm in a situation like that, I, I really feel the need to keep growing and studying the gospel so that I can explain it clearly, you know. And I was just like, wow, I need to work on this, you know. Um, and so just doing some evangelism training can be uh, very stimulating for us. And then, and this is kind of lagging on me. Um, we also want to do a coordinated public publicity campaign for the meeting. So in the month or two before the meetings, we'll be obviously getting publicity out there, letting people know what's going on. I want to have a reasonable approach um, as we work in these communities, partnering with churches that are like-minded. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't realize that there are, you know, we, we get so caught up in our own church, we don't realize there are other churches out there uh, that do believe like we do on many, many points. And so uh, we do want to prayerfully see in these communities, and we haven't really made any decisions yet, uh, but we, we really want to partner with any like-minded churches. And also, um, Faith on Fire will remain distinct from those churches uh, in that we want to continue to serve God in that way, and as I've said to some of you as well, there will come a point in the autumn where we're evaluating what has happened uh, over these eight months. And we're saying, where do we need to start a church? But the beauty of it is we're letting the Holy Spirit do the work in these communities. And we're letting the, the Lord say, this is where you need to start a church because people are getting saved in this community and there's a need for a church here. So very excited about that uh, part of it. So um, 
those are, that's really in a nutshell what Faith on Fire is. Now, as a close, let me just uh, share this with you, okay? Um, I want, you may ask, how can I be a part of it, okay? How can I be a part of this? And um, I will show you, okay? All right, first of all, pray. Pray Luke 10:2. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that's the first thing, is to pray. Pray for volunteers. You know, pray that God will raise up people to serve him in faith on fire. And pray also that souls uh, will be saved uh, through uh, this outreach. How else you can be involved is to volunteer. Okay, volunteer to be a part of it. Um, first of all, we're going to need personal workers for the prayer team in the evening meetings. And if you would be willing to do that, come to the class uh, next Tuesday. It's Tuesday, I believe it's the 4th of February at 7 p.m. here at LifeGate. Come to the class. And we're going to start doing training. We're, we're going to talk about um, how to share your testimony in a way that anybody can understand. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Um, but we will start that. Pray also. Also, you can volunteer to be a gospel worker in the preparation time as we go into these communities um, to witness. And already some, several people have said to me in churches have said, yeah, we want to help. We want to help. Okay. And uh, people are getting excited about what God can do through, through Faith on Fire. I really have been encouraged by the response as I've shared this with people. People have got excited. And that encourages me because I say, wow, God is in this. Only oh, have little faith, you know. But God is in this, okay? God is at work. And so um, we need gospel workers. We also need gospel workers to respond to the website and Facebook messages. You know, it would be really helpful if we had a team of people that could talk with people and witness to them over the internet, over website and social media, you know? And we could organize ourselves so that we could divide it up um, so that we could do that. And of course, uh, we will talk about that in the training. The, the training starting on February 4th really is key, okay? It's very important. And if you want to be involved in any of these things, your next step is to come on Tuesday night, uh, the 4th of February, and be a part of that training, okay? And that'll be the next step. Um, and, and we need, also need canvassers, people who will uh, go out uh, on the doors and do street ministry in these communities um, to do that as well, okay? Um, we will need children's workers as well uh, to help with uh, the children's work, okay? That's an exciting part of it uh, that God can use and notice that the, the children's program that's running simultaneously with the even, evening meetings, it's not just a creche, okay? It's not just a childcare. This is an opportunity to preach the gospel to young people, okay? And so we're very excited about that. We want to do the best job that we can in that time to get the gospel to young people. Um, so these are uh, the things that... Um, you can help with. And again, Faith on Fire is what it's called. It's about reaching people with the gospel. Um, and thank you very much for listening tonight. Again, more than anything, please pray. Please pray for Faith on Fire, that God will do a great work in these towns um, by his mighty power.